welcome to the Mindful Living Podcast. I'm your host, Athea Davis. Are you ready to become the person everyone loves, including yourself? Imagine being filled with purpose, joy, and focused energy every single day. I guide kids to gain their inner calm and adults to spark their inner child. Each week, I will give you fun, practical, and relatable, mindfully infused inspiration, insights, and information that you can directly apply in your life, family, and school or business. So let's get started. Happy day, friends, and welcome back to the Mindful Living Podcast. We are on episode five this week. And for those that have been on this journey with me since episode one, thank you so much for tuning in to get your insights, information, and inspiration from me. I so appreciate it. And if you're just finding yourself here for the very first time, welcome. Guys, I'm bringing you an additional voice this week. I had the opportunity to interview a very near-dear friend and colleague, Marissa Ford. Marissa is a second-grade teacher at Shadydale Elementary in the Houston Independent School District. You guys are going to love this one. We talk about the struggles of Black students, particularly Black women students, in STEM programs. STEM is an acronym for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. And we also take a look at how mindfulness may play a role in changing negative thought patterns students face so they can create a more empowering story for themselves and their families. And friends, I'm going to bring this interview to you in two parts. So this week, we're going to go into half of that interview. And then next week, we'll circle back and finish up. All right. Hope you enjoy. I am very excited about our guest today. I have Marissa Ford. She is a second grade teacher in the Houston Independent School District. And without further ado, and she'll have plenty of amazing things to say about what she's up to. Welcome, Marissa, to the show. Hey, Athea. How are you? Hey, I'm doing really well because I'm talking to you and get to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I am excited you're here. And I wanted to start out with just give us a little bit of information about your about you and what you're up to. Okay. Um, well, like she said, I teach second grade. This is my seventh year teaching Yes, my seventh year teaching, um, and I'm an avid person that likes to do technology, photography, but mainly in my professional work, I like to integrate like STEM, um, STEM experiments, STEM type lessons, more hands-on lessons throughout my math and science instruction every day. Perfect. So with STEM, uh, let's just break that acronym down for people that don't know what that is. Can you say what STEM means? Yes. So the term I actually prefer to use is STEAM. And STEAM is science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Mm. 
You know, as as a creative here, I love that you add the A in there for STEAM. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing a little bit about what your specialization is as a teacher out in, in the world. And tell me, Marissa, because teaching education, like why... Why be? Why did you decide to be a teacher, an educator? What was it that brought you to this field? Um, so, well, originally when I was in college, I wanted to be a veterinarian or teach high school, uh, high school sciences, because I really, really enjoyed high school um, because of the classes that I chose to take through my academies. And then I realized that... Um, if I were to be a high school teacher, that a lot of people, I, a lot of people won't be, wouldn't have been like me and my friends who love school. So I wanted to be able to catch them early. So I decided to go into elementary education Got so it. that they can still, you know, enjoy, enjoy learning and enjoy growing. Got it. Thank you for sharing that. I know that, you know, the, you and I have talked before, Marissa and I have worked together before, we are friends, and anyone that's listening that has any familiarity with the world of education knows that when you do work in education, and if you've been in it for a while, it is a sense of a calling. Um, yeah. And definitely, yeah. Can you kind of dive into that? Like for you, what that looks like and how that appeared for you? My calling? Yeah. Like, you know, is it, do you look at it as just as a job that you just happen to be really good at, that you're a great teacher and you are, or do you feel like driven, you know, to be there for something beyond that? Oh, Hey, I just happen to be really great at teaching. Oh, no, it's teaching is definitely a calling. I don't know. I don't know how anyone can be a teacher that isn't called to be a teacher because teaching is very stressful. It's very rewarding, but it's still very exhausting and very stressful. And I don't care if you're really good at your job. You have to truly enjoy like crafting and molding and um, exciting people about learning. Because if you don't truly enjoy doing that, then your customers, your students, aren't really getting the best service because you truly don't really care about what you're providing them. So it's definitely a calling. And I mean, growing up, education has always been important to my family, especially my parents. And so, um, like, my parents were the first people out of both sides to go to college, and they instilled that in, into us, my, myself, my brother, and my sister. And so um, it's, it's just always been very important. And so I want to be able to teach my kids how important education is or craft, um, certain crafts that you specialize in, um, because that will guarantee, and not necessarily guarantee, but it will provide more of an opportunity of success for you. Yeah, that just leads right into what my question now is, is why, why do you think your parents instilled that value of education? What, what does education mean? Or what did it mean to them? 
that that has developed in you to then create that meaning for your own students, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, well, for my parents, they both came from, um, so the area that I teach in, my parents grew up in an area just like that. Um, tell me the, my like, dad's from the east side. Of the, go ahead. Go, go ahead. I was going to say, tell me the area. Tell me. Oh, okay. Name. Yeah. So my dad's from the east side of Detroit. And my mom's from um, Dallas, but she's from, like, the Oak Cliff area. And so they grew up with um, parents that didn't really, like, my mom's mom doesn't have a high school diploma, didn't, isn't really very strong in reading. My dad's dad died when he was, like, two. My dad's mom, she did go to college, but it was str- it was hard for her because she was a single mom for the uh, majority of her life. But because they knew how important it was to not live in a to have to not have to go through the same struggles as them, they realized that education was the tool that they could use for success. So after they both graduated from ho- uh, high school, they went to the military, which afforded them. Um, skills and tools which and then they went on to you know finish college but they recognized that education was the tool that allowed them to be able to not repeat cycles uh, to break cycles to break all of the stereotypes that people um, have for african-american people and um, they instilled that in us Um, one thing that they always told us that people can treat you however they want to treat you but one thing that they can never take away from you is your intelligence. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, and that, and so true, you know, people can take everything away, but they can't take the power that you, you know, the knowledge that you hold. And you said something right. really powerful about um, have, using education to break the cycles, particularly as it relates to what the state of, Uh, you know, black students in the world today, what cycle are you referring to? Can you dive into that a little bit? Oh, there's so many cycles. Um, Not going, not finishing high school, not matriculating to college, um, not getting, not having a career, um, having a job versus a career, um, ending, um, ending teenage pregnancy, ending, um, having to be dependent on government aid, um, all of those things. And I'm not, there's nothing wrong with the path that people choose, but we do know that there's better paths that people can choose, you know? And so, um, I think that, I think that when you know better, you do better. And sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Well, no, not, you never know what you don't know. You know, and so I think education allows you to be able to create an imagination, to, to create like skepticism and things, um, and also to create like the ability to think for yourself, challenge yourself, challenge people, and also just like be ever knowing of, you know, the constant changes in government, the constant changes in um, your community, but also just like learning about things that you like, things that you don't like, but education and knowing and having the knowledge provides you opportunities because if you don't know something, then you can only, you know, listen to what other people are telling you. You you don't have the ability to challenge them because you don't have the knowledge 
to challenge them. Yeah, if I, that makes sense. It does make sense. And what I was hearing and what you were saying too regarding education and you know the path that you have the opportunity to take with more knowledge is that you begin to take on an agency in life and you begin to have the possibility to create a new and more empowering story for you and and your family you know definitely yeah no thank you for sharing that and I, we're going to continue to talk about education and what Melissa, Melissa, guys, I like, I'm so distracted because things are dinging and then I, it was um, on my computer and I know that you're going to hear it on the recording and I'm sorry. And it was from Melissa. Hi out there <laughs> as I'm talking to Marissa, but Hey, that's okay. Because you know what? As I told you guys when I started this podcast, I'm learning as I go. And if there's a ding, bing here and there, so or be a dog it. bark, you know. Uh, okay. It is. And, <laughs> and um, you know, when I'm on episode 50, it probably won't sound like it does on episode, whatever episode this comes out. So just hang tight with me, friends. We're going to figure this out along the way. Okay. So, which is interesting because I usually don't have this many dings and bings all the time. So anyway, um, my before we dive into more about what you're doing in school, Marissa, is this is the Mindful Living Podcast, okay? And so one of the things I talk about often on all four episodes so far, but, you know, like I said, you'll likely be out on an episode coming really soon is, you know, mindfulness looks like a lot of different things. And my question to you is, what does mindful living mean to you? So I will be honest, I think I did not truly know. And I mean, I think mindful living is something that's ever-changing, Um dependent on where you are in life, but I don't think that I was fully aware of what mindfulness was um, before I worked with you, so I do want to say thank you for um, introducing me to mindful living and mindfulness, Um, but I will say that mindful living is the path that I've chosen to take um, to maintain my health, whether it's like mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and financially. it means that I'm always like keeping my best interests first. And I know that um, I used to think that that was so selfish, but then I realized that if my bucket is empty, then I can't give to other people, which is something that I truly enjoy doing. And so I have to take care of me first before I start taking, start taking care of other people. So that means like, you know, taking breaks when I need them, um, being very intentional in like how I move, my thoughts, being purposeful in um, what I choose to think about myself or how I choose to think about like the situations that I'm in um, and making sure that my actions and my words throughout every day are like what I want them to be. Wow, that that is so beautiful. And I love, you know, what you said about being purposeful and then the other word that came to mind is presence. And, uh-huh. and I know that's that word is becoming 
more uh, or discussed more often without a lot of extra discussion on the side on what that really means. But I think, you know, that you did a great job really talking about being purposeful with the way that you're moving, with the thoughts that you have and the words that you maybe are thinking and you might not want to say versus the words that you do want to say. Right. Right. And I think you also answered my next question was, how do you use it in your personal and professional life? Now, I know you did dive into how you you're using this in your personal life. But when I say, how are you using in your professional life? Meaning, how are you using this, if at all, in the classroom? Um, Well, I have two sides of my professional life um, because I think that I have to remember the professional side of dealing with adults um, and then also dealing with children. (laughs) So, like, I think being an educator is um, um, the hardest job, too. I will say that. Um, But you also have to, not only do you have to deal with adults, you have to deal with children as well. And so, like, for the adult side of my profession, I definitely um, have to be mindful of how I speak to adults um, and how I constructively criticize what they're doing, how I incorporate um, their words or their thoughts into like things that I'm planning for the school or presentations that I'm holding for the school. Um, But mindfulness in my classroom kind of looks like um so 100 percent of my kids are black and brown and um I think that sometimes in the black and brown community we aren't we aren't taught what mindfulness is and so we aren't taught again um how how to correctly control our emotions how to appropriately respond to situations. I know a lot of the times, sometimes we just, um, it's innate in us to just raise our voice, um, to uh, think that it's not okay to be angry, that it's not okay to um, have emotions, or sometimes we're taught that it's disrespectful for a child to disagree with what an adult says, um, things like that. And so um, in my class respond appropriately and so not only is it my job to teach them how to add and subtract but it's also my job to teach them how to be able to function in a world that does not look like the world that they're used to yeah no a lot was there so you know one of the things I heard was you know being at and you may have mentioned this earlier and I know I'm going to ask more about this in just a moment but because I've worked with Marissa at the school she works, that would be you know classified in educational terms as an at-risk school to you know community um, that is at um, and many are below the poverty level. The education uh-huh. level is is very low, and the you know, social and emotional learning competencies of many of the students in the classroom are either pretty low or at zero. They're just not taught, right? And many of us aren't taught self-regulation skills, how to handle intense emotions. And coming from 
that environment, there are a lot of stressors uh, for the kiddos that you're teaching coming from home. You know, either mom's not home or dad's not home or likely dad or mom may be in jail or um, they're moving around a lot or, you know, there's just a lack of finances and they're not getting the kinds of things that you would think that students would be getting on a day-to-day basis in terms of support systems, right? Like help with homework or engagement or, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say like everything that you're saying is is correct. Um, I do want to add that um, I have only ever taught in this area. The area that I still teach in is is the only area that I've ever taught in. And so for all of my seven years, I've taught in this same area. And um, I think that is a forgotten area in Houston. But I and I do know that, you know, um, the, the way that uh, a lot of our students are growing up is not necessarily ideal, but it is their reality. And so we just have to, you know, like meet them where they're at to get them to where they need to be. But I do think that their ability level is there. But it, it takes a lot to be able to tap into what they can actually do because they aren't provided the resources that teach them um, what they can be. Um, they aren't, they don't know, you know, they don't know that there's professions outside of teachers and cops and nurses and doctors. They don't necessarily know that you can be um, a chef if that's what you wanted to do. They don't know that you can um, be um an engineer, um, but they, they, they have like 100% of the ability levels in the, in the, like they can do it, you know, and it's our job to get them to know that they can do it. And I think a lot of it is, that's a lot of the, the issue because it's so hard to get them to know that they can do it because they've had a lot of people telling them that they can't, um, or they haven't had the right guidance because, mom has to work all night or dad has to work all night or they're being raised by their grandparents that have that are on limited income or um they're being raised by aunts and uncles um it just depends like every situ- every person's and every child's situation is different but um i do think that all of them have the capability to be able to be successful but i think success looks different for each of them if that makes sense yeah, no, it completely makes sense. Uh, you know, like just what you were saying, you don't know what you don't know and you meet them where they are. And that being said, just leads me into my next question of how do you do you, well, let's start with the do you think mindfulness makes an impact in their life for them to see that they do have the the possibility to create the success that they want yes yes because I, I I know that when you start to think positively um instead of just thinking oh I can't do this um start to think okay well maybe I can't do this right now but what do I need to learn to be able to do it later on um there's a difference you know like there when you start to think more mindfully um you start to open up the possibilities and the opportunities that are there that you don't necessarily know that are there. But I I think that like it all starts with just thinking positively, like letting them know that it's okay for you to be angry. I get it. I get mad all the time too. I get frustrated. I get sad. It's, it's all okay, but it's, 
it's the way that you handle um it's the way that you handle those emotions is what they need to be taught um and i think that as adults like as being a black adult um we need to be taught that as well because there's i don't want to say that there's no point in teaching a child if they're going to go home to the same home but i think that we also need to provide you know tips and classes and um lead by example for the parents and the students so that they can see you know like being positive and you don't have to be 100% positive because that's that's unrealistic you know but um thinking positively like creates positive endorphins um thinking positively like you know it increases your 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 waves it increases like your ability to think stra- uh, straight it decreases your stress um and I think it allows you to have like a clear, open mind to be able to handle stressful situations, whether it's you're a child and you don't know um, how to do a certain math problem. So you're just going to toss your paper because you're really frustrated. OK, we need to teach them. I get you're frustrated and it's OK to be frustrated, but I need you not to react that way, because in the real world, not the world you live in, but the real world, you know, like we're, you need to be able to perform in every every type of world or community that you're you visit or you go to and in different worlds you're going to be seen as unstable um you're going to be seen as immature or they're going to see you like i mean if i'm just being honest we know we know the way society views black people and it's going to be a stereotype you know oh you fit the stereotype because this is what we expected from you and you're giving us everything that you expected so i definitely want to be able to break those stereotypes and break those molds and show you know the world that we as a people are, are just lacking the skills or we're just lacking you know um the ability to be able to c- control our emotions yeah thank you for that and you I want to even go a little further with what you just said. Tell me more about the stereotype that you want, that you're you're saying to your students, you're saying, look, this is a tool that you need for many different reasons. And here's one reason, is how you're perceived out in the world. Dive into that. What does that mean? And particularly by who? And it's all right. Like, I want you to be fully open about this issue because it's an issue we must be open and address. Um, so I will say that um, going back to my childhood, I um, <clears throat> I didn't really know what racism was. I, I like I did it. Um, I, I think that um, because I was raised in a military background, the military background, they're very um, classist. And so um, if you're a certain rank, you don't associate yourself with people from certain ranks. That's just the way the military is, right? I don't think I truly knew that people didn't like black people just because they were black until I was probably like eight um, when um, – and I, I – I'll just say I feel like someone decided that because my family was black that we didn't deserve to live because we were in the wrong side of the town and they attempted to kill us. And so ever since then, I realized that um, it does not matter who you are. People are going to judge you based on the way that you look Mm -hmm. like point blank period. Um, They didn't know 
You know, they didn't know that my parents had college degrees. They didn't know who I could have become. All they realized in that moment is you guys are black and y'all aren't where y'all should be because I'm saying y'all aren't where y'all should be. So you guys are not meant to be on this earth anymore. And I'm going to make sure that that doesn't happen, you know? And so because I teach in an all black and brown school, everyone looks like me. Um, I don't, we're all minorities. And so I feel like it is my job to teach them, you know, hey, someone, someone just tried to decide my fate just because I was black. They didn't know me. They didn't know my parents, but I'm proving them wrong every day. I went out, I got, I got a college degree. I have a job. I'm impacting the world because I'm teaching children, you know, but I, I am real with them. Hey, they're going to treat us bad just because of the way that we look. So when you open up your mouth, you better speak properly because no one should be able to question your intelligence by the way that you speak. Like point blank period. I think code switching is an awesome thing, but I do feel like you need to, you need the ability to be able to code switch. And, um, and code switching is, you know, like, um, um, the way that you talk with your friends versus the way that you speak to professionals. Mm-hmm. So professional talk versus personal talk. And so I think that it's very, very important to be able to have that ability um, to do so because they're automatically, and when I say they, I do mean, um, I don't want to say white people, but some white people and some Hispanic people and some Asian people, it's people who um, judge us just because we're black. So if you fit that mold, then yes, I'm talking about you. Um, and I think that um, I do a really good job of representing myself, which in turn represents me as a black woman. And as a black person, I think the hardest person to be in the world is a black woman um, because a, we're already a woman, women. And I think that, that um, people think that women aren't able to be as successful as men and then you throw in the fact that I'm black so I have to work twice as hard um three times as hard however many times as hard as you think um just to get to other people's 80 percent and so I especially teach my girls um that it does not matter what you look like all that truly matters is um the way that you perform and I teach my boys you know again it does not matter what you look like Um, it should not matter what you look like. It will matter what you look like, but it should not. So because it should not, but it does, you have to work 100, 120% as hard to match someone else's 80%. And my dad and my mom always taught us that. And throughout the years, I've learned that that is true because it's hard to be black in the America that we live in. Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed the first part of my two-part interview with Marissa Ford. Powerful stuff about how hard it is being black in America today. Guys, we're going to dive into that more next week, and we'll continue our discussion with Marissa looking at implicit bias and how that plays out in her classroom and the education system. Friends, don't forget to tune in next week, episode six. You'll hear the second part of my interview with Marissa Ford, second grade teacher in the Houston Independent School District. All right, guys. See you then. Thank you for listening to the Mindful Living Podcast with me, your host, Athea Davis. 
Think of me as your extra sparkly, good vibes, and no-nonsense guide, reminding you to take intentional action and choose to be the person today you want to become tomorrow. The world needs your sparkle, your joy, your gifts in action. Speaking of, I have a free gift for all my podcast listeners. Go now and subscribe to my email list and get your free health and wellness guide, awesome sauce insights at soulsenseyoga.com. And take a moment to rate and review my podcast on iTunes or wherever you may find yourself listening to Mindful Living with Athea Davis. I truly appreciate your time and feedback so I can continue to deliver valuable content to each of you. Until next time, have an awesome sauce day, friends.